would you have been able to figure out what it is or is it one of those things which just tastes nothing like what you're expecting uh oh that's a good question it wasn't as gamey as i've i remembered rabbit being um so probably not i'd have probably thought it was like a a chicken and and langoustine interesting or corn. Um, which in itself is still a weird yeah. a weird mix well the langoustine is the rabbit of the sea oh yeah true very very true um there's your cold open <laughs> <laughs> you guys are making a podcast for this so welcome to season two of the podcast nobody asked for oh, I, don't, I don't like you introducing it it feels weird <laughs> i appreciate it with me graham jones and me ian harry's oh. you see, so you see what i did there season we had a long break i figured first season was 81 episodes long and now it's time to start season two season season two of 81 episodes but season two yeah. of 81 episodes yeah we've 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 had a I, no, continue, Graham. Continue, I insist. I, I was going to say, I joke. Obviously, it's not necessarily season two. We had a bit of a break. And the real reason being is that I did listen to Ian's solo podcast whilst I was away. <laughs> and yes, I have only just woken up. Nice. I did like your one piece of feedback was, you say cunt a lot when I'm not there. But you, but you, yeah, genuinely. <laughs> I, I, was, I was like, wash, wash your mouth out, sir. Wash I, your I, mouth out. I, I had a lot of fun recording that. I... I no word of a lie, I basically phased out and then suddenly it was an hour and five minutes later. It was uh <laughs> it was interesting. But it is it, it's quite it's good to it's good to recognise as well that we've uh in the time it's taken us to go away and collect ourselves and do all of that stuff, the world has gone to shit. And by that it has I mean Tom Brady has unretired. Tom Brady has unretired. That that is terrible. There's a lot of other terrible things going on. And I'm not saying that it was caused by the fact that we weren't on air and putting out content, but, you know, perhaps if, if when this drops, the world is at peace again, then maybe we have realised that we cannot stop recording. Otherwise, there will be total Armageddon. Yeah, we were, the, uh, we were the only thing combating whatever that slide into chaos uh, was that was started by Bowie dying. Uh, David Bowie, not the dog. Yeah. The dog is fine. No. Dog Bowie dog is, is fine. Th- David Bowie's still dead. Is two today. Oh, the today, dog is two today. today. He celebrates his birthday as we as we speak. Uh, currently, by uh, snoring on the sofa, hugging my girlfriend's slipper. Nice. <laughs> but yeah, so Bowie's happy birthday, Bowie. Bowie's fine, but it is a uh, a truth universally acknowledged by mankind that as soon as David Bowie died, the world started getting a bit weird. Yeah, it's it's very true. He's he's doing some weird cosmic, or either either he's doing some weird cosmic shit in the ether, or he was the the glue that was holding um, reality together, um, and perhaps half of one and half of the other. I'm not he was, sure. He was the sorcerer mm. supreme. So we've been off air for a little while, Ian. Life has got in the way. Uh, less fun things than than I'd like, but life has got in the way. Uh, what's what? Give me what? What's new in the life of Ian since we last spoke? Uh, not since we last spoke, because we spoke like ten minutes ago before this. Since we last spoke in a recorded fashion, you've you phrased that in a way where it feels like somebody has told you private information, 
and <laughs> you're waiting for me to say not a lot, and then you'll dive in and go, aha, well, I have these pictures <laughs> of this manatee. <laughs> and George the manatee has something else to say to you. Um, uh, recorded fashion, um, we, we, we've... S- stuff. Might have oh, been good. on a few other podcasts, I think. Maybe. Ah, there we go. Yes, yes. So we've been just because <laughs> just because we stopped we stopped recording our podcast doesn't mean I wasn't appearing on other people. And I can't tell you on other people on on other, I was appearing <laughs> on other people's podcasts. You're like, were you like the um the what was is it the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles the one that had like the TV in his stomach? We is that we, what you were doing? We bring him up. Semi regularly, <laughs> and we never remember his name. It's Krang. Is it Krang? Krang I was gonna say Krang. Krang but... is the, stu- the 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 stomach brain dude. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Basically, so you cra- you you cranged two podcasts over over basically. the last uh, month or so. Basically, yeah. I mean, it was what was what what was good. So we I I appeared on. Uh, the Church of Tarantino. Only the Church of Tarantino. Um, which was this was great. This was one I was annoyed. But I I was I was scheduled to be on this with you. You know, Ed's mentioned that we've. It's been an interesting few weeks, but uh, a shit few weeks, and um, unfortunately missed this one. But it was the Pulp Fiction episode, right? Which is my favourite film. So I am annoyed that I missed this. Yeah. One. So we're gonna we're gonna go back on it as a duo to do uh, yes. another film later. I, I don't want to be the one to mm. break the news, but we are going back. Um. But my yeah. one of my favourite. Don't be such a bastard. Yeah. <laughs> Spelt with an A, so you know, might not yeah. be a clue. Um. <laughs> the, the the my, my favourite thing with the podcast, apart from the fact that it was so much fun, was the knowledge that I didn't have to edit it when we started going over like three hours. <laughs> like we talked because you you can't you can't bring Pulp Fiction down to like an hour and a half. It's just oh, no, not at all. No. So we did that. We've done. Uh... I hope you uh, recorded it out of out of. Uh order as well i i as in like cr- out of chronological order not like you were being out of order and just I was, like I was just being... <laughs> just just slamming the guy you're a gimp man <laughs> yeah it was uh <laughs> well because i was out of you know we weren't recording regularly i just forgot how to podcast so i just screamed down the microphone solidly for three hours uh <laughs> we did uh i i love dogs was that before we fucked off maybe I was on, uh, did. Yes. I was on it, it sounded like you said, I love dogs rather than I love yeah. dogs. I love dogs, <laughs> which sounds like a great podcast. I love dogs is a podcast <laughs> I would listen to. But I went on uh, Caged In to talk about uh, I love dogs, the Wes Anderson movie. Uh, and I also yep. went on, I was back on Cage Rage. Cage podcast. What, what is that? What is that? What is that? It's podcast. Oh, no, not the beast! Not the beast! Ah! I love my Talking about Teen Titans Go to the Movies because it is one of the best films ever made. And I literally watched it one evening and then on Twitter about six hours later. Daryl posted, just like, all right, I need people to do these 
uh, movies, and one of them was Teen Titans. It was like, I will do this, please. I need to. I need <laughs> to talk about this film. More people need to need to watch this film. But it's been fun. Excellent. Basically, we're just. I've just been nice. whoring myself around the independent podcast community. It's been great. We're we're hoping to get some guests on soon. We have things planned. It's it's great. We have a very. We we won't. We're not going to put any anything out there at the moment because. Um... In case stuff falls through or whatever, but we we've got a good one lined up for you guys. That's right. Looking as l- forward as to long that. as as long as Dad isn't busy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's been it's been uh, a a busy few weeks. I, on the other hand, I uh, I got a soda stream. Oh, nice. Have mm. Have you briefly had the thought of pissing in it? <laughs> no, that's not where I thought that was going. <laughs> <laughs> I the the usual thing is always like milk. Uh, tricarbonated milk, yeah, yeah, which I haven't done. Well, for, for no, obvious. I haven't thought. Maybe, maybe, maybe bubbly milk is the, the like the cure to lactose intolerance. <laughs> and there's something in the in the in the bubbles that that kind of d- gets rid of the need for the enzymes to yeah to, exactly. uh, break down the milk. Like all I'm saying is you've never shut yourself after drinking coke, so <laughs> you know it's worth a try. Uh, yeah. I, I could not be trusted with a soda stream. I would break it. Like my my fiance would come home from work. The soda stream would be in the bin. It's like, Ian, why does why does why does the soda stream smell of gravy? <laughs> I don't know. It turns out you can't you can't carbonate cream cheese. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. would you like some Would you like some fizzy soup? But you know, if you, you just you're just never going to find out unless you try. It's you know, I I also yeah can't can't disagree with that. Bovril would be a good one. Maybe fizzy Bovril. Who knows? Possibly, possibly, I once yeah. had um, Cafe Nero briefly did a. Um, I can't remember what it was like. A shot of espresso in um, tonic water. Oh, which I was intrigued by. It was summer kind of iced coffee. Maybe I'll give it a go. It was one of the worst things that I have ever put in my mouth. <laughs> Now trying to think the worst things, <laughs> worst things I've put in my mouth. Yeah, that sounds that does sound pretty awful. The worst, yeah, it, the, worst, I... the worst thing I've tasted, at least recently, mm. was uh, about twenty minutes ago, when um, everyone's been, everyone has done this. Opened up my gym bag and oh, what's that? A closed protein shake. Oh no! Uh, opened it and again, the smell could only be described as psychiatrist inducing it was uh it was ground shatteringly disgusting and i could taste it so never never that that's why i'm I'm just i stopped that's my health kick over yeah a, <laughs> yeah a protein protein shake for like even for like 24 hours ends up being pretty rancid have you ever oh, yeah. was i think we might have had this conversation before but i i once bought the uh, I think it was like uni days trying to save a bit of money and I bought the unflavored protein it was like oh, I don't need flavor I'm just going to chuck it down with a bit of water it will be fine it was it's one of the worst things it is just horrendous I imagine it's kind of like what Yoda's jizz tastes like that's something you imagine <laughs> <laughs> well it just you know it, it conjured um I don't know why, where I'm going does with he, this. Talking he, of talking does, of, uh, does Yoda jizz? Is that canon? Uh, I like, don't know if it's a canon. It might be. It might not <laughs> be quite that. Um, <laughs> quite, quite that forceful. <laughs> forceful. 
the forceful is strong in this one. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I, I don't know. I, I always saw him more as uh, I just can see him waking up one morning and suddenly there's two Yodas. So you think he he like reproduces via? I oh god. GCSE biology is failing me now. Like, like is it mitosis? End... I think it's mitosis. Like the like the end of evolution, the movie. <laughs> yeah, not the end of evolution. Well, yeah, I mean, spoilers, but it's it's crabs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't. I I've never really stopped to ponder Yoda's sex life before. Well, I mean, Grogu must have come from somewhere. Probably his dick. (laughs) 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 Oh, Uh, wow. This is uh, what we're we're back, people, and it's taken us all of 15 minutes to descend into this. Into Yoda's penis. (laughs) Great. Good times. Anyway, uh, Anyway. this this week. (laughs) This week. To to mark and honour our triumphant return. To the world of podcasting, we have decided to cover our top three triumphant returns, mm. which which is great and meta, and you know that that's my jam. It is. It's why I suggested it. Ian. It is because you you get me, man. Just just for you, you get me. Uh, but yeah, it's it's an interesting one to think about. There's a lot of there's a lot of different degrees of returning, um, mm. and there's a lot of different degrees of triumphant. And we will come on to those at some point. I'm assuming you have a weird question lined up along the lines of, what's the favourite thing you've returned? But- <laughs> no, one of, one of my favourite parts of your solo podcast was you postulating um, what <laughs> stupid question I would come up with um, at any given time. I hadn't thought of that, but good question. Um, what, good, good question, good thought. What is, have, have you ever made a triumphant return but not in the sense of like you coming back to something, but in the sense of like back to Argos, a, tri- a triumphant return to Argos. <laughs> well, like you're triumphantly returning a, as a no, like so. Once I di- I got um, I I got uh, a I'd bought what did I, had I bought I bought um, John Cleese's autobiography i'm pretty sure this is loosely it's it's this this story is loosely factual but it may be the wrong author but i can't remember anyway i (laughs) this story is loosely factual (laughs) so anyway i bought i bought john cleese's um autobiography and no i hadn't this is what happened right so i went to john cleese stand-up thing that was promoting his new book and uh you with the cost of the ticket you got a copy of the book i went to the thing picked up my book went on my merry way it was meant to be a signed copy when i got home turns out copy wasn't signed okay that's not ideal so i wrote to the people and said you know just so you know pick this up it wasn't a signed copy you know is there any way can i send it back send me another whatever uh, they wrote back and said, apologized, sent me a signed copy, and then I obviously had the original unsigned copy. So what I did with the original unsigned copy was take it into Waterstones as a return without a receipt, but you can do that for like store credit, and then basically got a free book out of it. I think that's quite a triumphant return. 
and is entirely factual because I have remembered the correct facts of the story. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like I like that. I like that. I could just imagine uh, because it is a triumphant return. I'm assuming there was like a fanfare. There was a bit of a fanfare. This John Cleese book, please. I, I flipped my cape and I slammed the book down. I need to return this. I can't remember what I got in uh, in exchange for it, but free book. And you know, knowledge is power. Nice. I I am generally far too lazy and anxious a person to return anything. <laughs> uh, Sending, you know, I, I'm, I've sent stuff back, but uh, I can't say I've done a lot of returning. I've, I've, re- done I've, the... I've returned after injury. That's the closest I've probably had to an actual triumphant return. <laughs> triumphant return. I do like, I've, I've had the odd um, Amazon return that feels like a triumph when they're like, huh, you can have your money back, but we don't need the product. You keep it because they obviously, oh, yeah. it's cheaper for them not to take it back. Um, that feels like a win sometimes, even if you actually don't want the product or need it anymore. Or well, I've done the I've done the uh, what felt like a triumphant return with so I ordered something from like ASOS, and you know when you you're just like ah, oh, you know just tear open the bag, and then it turns out it doesn't fit, and you have to return it, but you fucked up the return bag because yeah, we are aggressive animals. Um, trying to like scrappy challenge it into something else <laughs> is always because. I don't keep packing material around. So it's like bodging together like the broken ASOS bag with like part carrier bag duct taped all together. And it's, uh, that feels like a triumph a triumph as soon as they actually take it off of you at the post office. It's like, yes, yeah. we, we, <laughs> we can somehow send this. You fools. <laughs> uh, bastards. Uh, anyway, on, mm. on that bombshell of you, uh, mm minorly defrauding Waterstones. Maybe that's why they've... I'm assuming they've gone. You, you're assuming they've gone because I took back one copy. Yeah. I mean, they still had... They still... They gained stock in return. It's not like, you know, I completely fleeced them. No, it was a mine... It was a f- fleecing adjacent. <laughs> on, on that bombshell of Graham bringing Waterstones to their knees, what is your movie recommendation nobody asked for? It has to be a good one. It is is the first movie recommendation nobody asked for in about a month. It is. This is very true. Um, It's a good one. Uh, It's actually, for for once, um, not related to the topic at all. It's the most recent movie I watched, which is the absolutely absurd Point Break. Ah, yeah. uh, The. Please clarify who stars in it. Keanu Reeves. Gary Busey. So we're not talking about the shitty remake from a couple of years ago, which is good. No, no, no. No, no. We're talking about the original. I, I, it's one of those films that, you know, like when you've not, like there's the, the classic movies out there and uh, you just don't get around to watching them, but then you watch them. But I'd never really read anything about it or knew anything about it. And it's just ridiculous. Like, I went to bed that night genuinely annoyed that he used his real name when he was undercover. Well, it's a very subtle blending into the background name, though. Jo- John <laughs> Johnny John- Utah. <laughs> <laughs> I I fucking love Point Break. It is it is so it is it is 
basically a good bad movie, isn't it? Really? Oh, it was. Really? I was watching it. It it is in that territory. I mean, especially the the cop lets him go away at the end. Spoilers for a, a movie that came out ages ago. Let's him go away at the end to kill himself in the waves rather than suicide, suicide by surf. Take him. <laughs> yeah. Like what? Oh, it I, is. Um, I mean, yeah. I've watched a weird amount of Keanu Reeves films the last couple of weeks. Like, I don't know why, but they just seem to keep like, and not not like I've done it before. Usually with Nicolas Cage, where it's just like, yeah, fuck it, let's watch a Nicolas Cage film, and I'll search yeah. for him and then watch films from that. But this was just scrolling through films. It's like, oh, I'm gonna watch this. Oh, it's a Keanu Reeves movie. So I watched. Um, which will 100% be a future League of Good Bad Movies episode. Johnny Mnemonic? Yes. Which, oh, well, I haven't... But you told me about oh, it, and it sounds it insane. Was, it was life-changingly awful. <laughs> it, it was... It had everything... Because I, I know we've talked about Patricia Arquette is a big... Like, she is on the Mount Rushmore of Good Bad Movies. Um, so is Ice-T. Yeah. Like, it... Oh, oh I love that film. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, the funny thing in um in Point Break as well is, even though he's meant to be like this top graduate from Quantico football, like he even before he becomes uh, part of the surfer uh, community, he talks like his character from Bill and Ted. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just, oh. and he's a left-handed quarterback. Didn't realize that until watching Point Break. Oh yeah, I forgot he threw a bit of uh, play, played a bit of bit of football in Point Break. You're Johnny um, Utah. Last time I saw you was at the Rose Bowl, and then you like fucked your knee up, and then and then obviously he he fucks his knee up in the exact same way in the movie, and you're like, oh, they spoke about that earlier, but what intelligent script writing. <laughs> oh, and then they're going skydiving. Again. Hey, is that the guy from Red Hot Chili Peppers? Randomly. <laughs> um, okay, so uh. if. If you aren't a fan of surfing, skydiving, and being reminded that Patrick Swayze is dead, um, what <laughs> what other film? I'm going to change that. <laughs> if if uh, a skydiving heavy surf movie isn't for you, what mm. other films would you recommend? Uh, well, I would recommend a film where there is a certain level of um, flying. But it is largely within a greenhouse with lungs for wings. Uh, the Blood Eagle. I am talking, of course, about Midsummer, the Ariaster masterpiece. It, it it doesn't have any surfing. There is uh, there's if you watch the director's cut, there's some there's some stuff in a lake. So yeah. you know it's, it's kind of Point Break adjacent. And that was my that was that was my first thought when I watched Midsummer as well. Was you know what this is this is awfully <laughs> close to Point Break. um yeah because obviously there's there's the bit of point break with the bear but yeah i mean midsummer um as we've said many a time is fantastic you should go watch it we're in march now so it's not quite midsummer um but you know spring is springing the clocks are going forward soonish and or if in america they've already gone forward uh yeah uh get yourself in the mood it's springtime watch a lovely bright wonderful flowery film full of um depression dread and cults nice i like it and 
And then on that note, I believe we should dive into our first choice for a while, if we can remember how to do that. I believe we do we transition should. music now. Transition music, then a triumphant return. To go against what we usually do, which is generally kind of starting... So with like when we did heist movies, my first choice I went for the lowest amount and ended on the largest amount. We like to build things. Yeah. So to, to flip the switch around for uh, our triumphant return, I'm going to talk about a film from 2019 which involves the triumphant return of half of all living things in the universe. Uh, and that is, of course, Avengers Endgame. So we've talked about this, weirdly, we've talked about this scene previously in the context of Santa Claus. But We have, yeah. Every, everyone knows the scene I'm talking about, and everyone kind of knows about the blip, but it is the, the whole on your left, and then all the portals open, and all of the characters you'd thought were dead and you'd never see again, even though you knew Spider-Man 3 had already been commissioned. Just return and battle Thanos and his wankery army. And I mean, it, it, to be fair... I, I assume his wankery army was the the one that had the uh, Infinity Gauntlet on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's the, the epitome of Danger Wank. Just in case. Do you know someone did a study, not on Danger Wanking, on it would be impossible to actually click your fingers in the Infinity Gauntlet because there's not enough friction. I mean, yeah, that does that makes complete sense. Yeah. So, I, I, if anything, you, you wanking might be hard with it. Phrasing on that one, but you know what I mean. Wanking might be difficult with the Infinity Gauntlet because it's just too, too frictionless. Well, and also like your voice cracked there. <laughs> A, a slip oh, of the fingers. Well, a slip of the fingers, and it could be the end of humanity. Or it just turns it turns into bubbles, like uh, in Infinity War, when he turns Chris Pratt's gun into bubbles. Well, the the lasers into bubbles rather yeah. than the gun itself, and bubbles as in like not the monkey. No, that that would have been bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> What's your plan, Thanos? I'm going to turn half the universe into Michael Jackson's pet chin. <laughs> so the, the the blip, as it has has now been named, is the big climax of pretty much, I mean, twenty movies, right? So Thanos actually they have their Empire Strikes Back moment where Thanos actually wins, clicks his fingers, and wipes out half of all living things, which is fucking insane really from there we then go to endgame where we see the i think it's a very in, to be fair it's a very interesting look at what the i didn't think there would be that big a time jump like i assumed it would just be kind of like next week <laughs> but yeah so i think it's a five year time jump so you get to, and they've kind of explored it in other projects now of what life was like between snatch which one is it? Um, it's either One Division or Winter Soldier, where they have the um, in the. Uh, I think it's. Is it One Division? I think it's One Division in the hospital. One, I think that's One Division. I think. Yeah, yeah, because like her, yeah, because her mum's died and stuff while she's yeah. been away and she's come back and blah, blah. yeah, which is interesting because, like you say, it gives you that extended period of time for like stuff to happen. Yeah, um, and also given you know like if you were 
blipped out and blipped back in and like people have died or moved on or whatever it realized it kind of i guess it kind of takes away the um it's not as heroic a return because actually it's still pretty shit for the people that are coming back yeah exactly like it, it's not quite as simple as because uh, usually in especially superhero movies saving the day basically means nothing has changed and everyone goes about their day as completely normal and i think marvel yeah. marvel have done quite a job or a quite good job recently of exploring the consequences of that kind of stuff like civil war was a whole uh movie about the repercussions of a previous movie so i always think yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's interesting them realizing that we kind of have to address this now otherwise people are going to start realizing we aren't um yeah and it adds that because i think the thing with um the thing with like the at least historically with marvel versus dc is that a lot of the pros for dc is like oh it's really like rooted in reality and it's like gritty and blah blah you know like batman for example isn't a superhero in the sense of like he is just a rich guy that's got lots of tech I guess similar to Iron Man, but like the the thing has always been, at least the way I've seen it, is that DC is kind of like the gritty reality stuff with like superheroes in this, whereas Marvel's kind of like really fanciful and, uh, but yeah, bringing in this level of like, yeah, real world consequences, I guess, kind of roots it a bit more back into like not believability. Obviously, Spider Man isn't going to exist in in the real yeah. world, but. It's it kind of grounds Mag- it a bit more, and I think is magical realism. Uh, yeah, no, exactly. I I I fully fully agree. And then, yeah. So it's not just it's not just one triumphant return, and it's not even that one scene. So if we just look at the scene, it is the proper a phrase which is going to be used in other choices. A proper saving the day moment so it is it is a proper i'm trying to use phrases that isn't just entirely quoting from another choice we're doing well it's it's uh, well this may well be uh choosing it from something else but uh snatching victory from the jaws of defeat (laughs) yes yes or if you're wales snatching defeat from the jaws of victory talks about rugby. Absolute and total disappointment. But, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it is. It, it, it's a proper uh, statue victory for the Jaws of Defeat moment. And it is... It, I think what else kind of makes it such a triumphant return is it is the build-up to it. So if, yeah. this, was, if this was a standalone film... It would have been a really nice scene, but yeah, it's just it, it it's a bit of a you know it is a bit of kind of a a trope at this point. But because you had the fucking twenty odd films before it, it's kind of hey, you've got a the, the decade of investment, right? <laughs> exa- exact exactly, which is which I've always said it as well. Like it, because of that, it is impossible to impartially talk about Endgame. Because it yeah. isn't. It isn't just. Uh, oh, this is this is ah. 
to use a phrase we, we haven't been able to use for a while. This is going to sound really wanky. Um, it isn't just a film. Like, it, it's, <laughs> it, is, it is the culmination of, again, a decade's worth of cinematic investment. And to see it pay off like that kind of really adds, I think, especially to the audience feel of... It is, it is a triumphant moment. It is the big middle finger to Thanos moment. And oh, I've, well, I've I, got time for that. I watched it at... I, I did a midnight screening. Um, it was one of the, like, audience gasp, goosebump inducing moments of... Especially when you're watching it with a theatre full of people who actually yeah. gave a shit about it. Yeah, it's like the... <gasps> Kind of thing. Um, what had what had the biggest cool. what had the biggest reaction? That or the hammer? Um. Oh, that's a good question. Actually, probably the. Well, I don't know. I think the hammer was always that was always kind of yeah. like coming because you there were hints at it previously. So I think this probably did. I think there was a, there was a big reaction to that as well. Obviously, but yeah. um. But yeah, I think that the the portals probably had a bigger one, especially because there was so like because you start seeing like little bits and then like the you know like the the bigger kind of um, the bigger dudes come through, and by bigger dudes I don't mean like the Hulk. I mean like um, you know the the people with more prominence in the in the universe. Yeah, and that, that, that that's a good transition statement. The this is all of the prominent people returning. You then also have the whole... So, one study that I googled, and by googled, I mean I read the sentence preview <laughs> on Google. Didn't click into it, haven't read the whole study. But apparently Earth is home to a trillion life forms. So... Blimey. I think, I think they, there's somewhere between like 10 and 20 million different species. So how be... like obviously you didn't click through so you can't answer this question but are we talking like to like tardigrades and stuff or are we just talking about like yeah yeah so I think I think you're you're counting with insects being the so some readings of Endgame is bacteria was included okay so every everything that could be conce- conceivably described as a living being so I'm assuming like plankton fucked off as well. Because no one what, talks the guy about from no, SpongeBob. Yeah, no, no one, no one talks enough about plankton. Fucking krill. But yeah, so you've you've got half a trillion life forms returning on Earth alone. Yeah, and this was obviously a universe-wide thing, so the numbers are going to be off off the chain. I wonder if there was. Uh, there's probably someone's looked into this, but whether or not there was a shift in the Earth's axes as a result of that many life forms kind of plopping back at once. I'm not or sure. Or do we assume People... an equal distribution of life forms around the world? Because if it was all on, so if the trillion, half a trillion were kind of in the Northern Hemisphere and everyone in the Southern Hemisphere was fine, not that necessarily was, but like if there was an imbalance and that many people came back at once, you would assume that maybe... So it was a, a it, shift. It was completely at random. Yeah. So there might be a planet where that happened, which is now just hurt or just hurtled into the sun. But there was studies done on its like the impact it would have on climate change and 
greenhouse gas emissions and stuff like that. Because, of course, we're going to dive deeply at a scientific level in a film about a magic purple alien clicking his fingers. Well, there would be an impact to um, at least... Uh, yeah, we, we were talking about this beforehand in terms of the current impact of the, the world on petrol prices. But there must be an economic impact as well to half a trillion... Okay, let's talk about if you just talk about life uh, humans, but like you know, two and a half, three was it three and a half billion people disappearing and then coming back. That must have a, a severe impact on the the economy. Yeah, and then it's what what's an interesting thing with so especially Falcon and the Winter Soldier is there is also a devastating impact of people coming back, which isn't like saving the day is also fucking over yeah. a lot of people which isn't something I ever would have really thought about. Yeah, no, it's true. Well, it's but, like the trolley problem, right? Yeah, ex- exactly. But also, like... This Welcome is all... to our philosophy podcast. Oh, yeah. Wait, 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 <laughs> wait for this bit of... Uh, out there, outrageous sentiment. Um, this was also that Robert Downey Jr. could have a daughter. <laughs> so the, the reason they didn't put it back to where it was was because Tony Stark didn't want to lose what he'd gained in those five years. Yeah. So if I was Bruce Banner, so imagine I'm a bit greener, wouldn't you just put it back to and... the point, just put it back to the point and just wipe his mind of it? I thought you were going to say put, put it back to the point of conception. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hurtling back into Iron Man, just really going at it with pepper pots. <laughs> just, just, just like that drag me to hell scene, just like fingernails yeah. dragging along the floor. But yeah, so yeah, the the the, the state of the world in the post return Marvel universe is entirely to have saved one little girl. Yeah, or well, who is obviously going to be the next Iron Woman? No, it's going to be someone else. Man, Iron. Is it Iron Man? I think it's Iron Heart. It's um... yeah, but isn't it, I thought she was. Maybe I don't think I'm so. Right. Ma- ma- maybe like everyone, everyone's kids seem to be uh, developing superpowers at this point. But yeah, so that is my triumphant return. Not just the battle scene of the heroes returning dramatically, but also everybody else. Kind of, you know, it is everyone returning is a symbol of victory, and that is a triumph. <laughs> My choice, my first choice in in quite some time. Your, this this is your triumphant return. This is my triumphant return. Um, my triumphant return is a triumphant return, and it's not only a triumphant return, but a complete rebrand. We are, of course, discussing Sir Ian McKellen's return as Gandalf the White in Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers. Interesting. This, this, weirdly enough, is not the triumphant return I thought you were triumphant returning. Did you think the bit when he returns again at Helm's Deep? Yes. I, so that's, that's laced into all of this, but I, I don't think you can really say that is his triumphant return because technically he has his triumphant return. I mean... I mean and then he, just, then he just shows up when he said he would. Uh, well, at, at, at the turning of the tide... <laughs> <laughs> I, I I want us to plan our social life around phrases like that now, rather than times. On the fifth day, as the sun <laughs> yeah. rises on the fifth day, look to the east. And lo, at the Prince Charles Cinema <laughs> as the sun sets. 
I shall be there with the Riders of Rohan. The Rohirrim. That's a hell of a fucking scene, though. Because all of those horses would categorically have fallen over. Well, I was going to get to that, but let's, like, we'll talk about his second triumphant return, which is my last note, but then we'll come back to we can. We don't have. We don't have to pulp fiction it. We can go chronological. It's all right. I was. I was getting overexcited by a cavalry charge, <laughs> as I often do. So Gandalf. Gandalf. Uh, should I just cue? Overexcited you up by for it? cavalry charge sounds like some weird, like erotic thing that you, that you have going on. Weird sex usually, thing. Usually, usually it would if I hadn't just recorded a solo episode of this podcast about history. <laughs> that takes all of the sexual connotations off the table. Instead, it's just whenever people hear me say that, the response is now just, yeah, he probably does. <laughs> True. That's it. So I'll, I'll, I'll cue you up to start this off. All right? Okay. But, Graham, I'm sure it was Gandalf the Grey. <laughs> it was Ian. Um, <laughs> but when he returns, and this is genuinely my first note, he's all glowy and shit. <laughs> and is I so I was watch I rewatched this scene today, and I don't know about you, but I seem to remember when I watched it in the cinema, there was a big reveal, right? Like, oh my god. But Actually watching it back now, like, even though they disguise his voice a little bit, it is so obvious it's Gandalf. Yeah, because they, they, they play the old switcheroo, right? Like, you're supposed to think it's Saruman. Christopher Lee. Yeah. yeah. I like that brief pause there was me deciding whether I was going to call him Saruman or Christopher Lee. Well, in it as well, because he's like, I am Saruman, or at least what Saruman should have been, because he was yeah. Saruman of the White. It's weird that all of the wizards have to be associated with colours, isn't which, it? Which colour would you want to be? Oh, I'd I'd be... Uh, well, I, I mean, Graham is a really shit wizard's name. Like Graham, Graham, the, Graham the Red sounds more like a Viking. Yeah, it does. And actually... Like a, ba- a badass Viking, to be fair. Yeah. But it doesn't, it doesn't have a lot of wizardry to it. No. But then, you know, at the same time, Ian the Wizard also just sounds like a guy that spends a lot of time at Games Workshop. <laughs> yes. <sir. laughs> hey, if it's good enough for Henry Cavill, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because what you've got, you've got Radagast the Brown, Radagast the Brown, who should just be called Radagast the shouldn't have been in this movie. Yeah, Rad- Radagast the bird shit, Gandalf the Grey, and Gandalf <laughs> the White, Gandalf the White bracket <laughs> knee Grey, neither Grey, <laughs> neither Grey. Saruman the White. Yeah. I'm assuming there's other fuckers. There must be about. Steve Steve the Blue. <laughs> I bet there's a green. Yeah. Yeah, he's just really like sort of climate change conscious. Oh, you're what you call like Jesse or something. <laughs> I, I am I, I am Googling Wizards in Middle Earth, which Excellent. is uh, not even the nerdiest thing I've Googled today. Because coincidentally, earlier I did Google Warhammer. <laughs> Wizards of Middle Earth um, is, is definitely like a um, a very stylized um, metal band, isn't it? Similar to like um, Windrose. Uh, Windrose, who uh, have they've they've changed the dwarfs they sing about now. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. So I think their latest album might be Warhammer themed. <laughs> <laughs> because going full, full we're just circle. going full Warhammer. 
Um, so back back to Middle Earth. Mm. You also had the Blue Wizards. Right. Were they just so, make? Did they just make really inappropriate jokes? I like to think so. It's, it's like uh, Jim it's Davidson. Like... <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was thinking more Carry On Middle Earth. Uh, carry On Hobbiting. Carry On Middle Earth. <laughs> yeah. So you had you had the white, the grey, the white again, the brown, and the blue. But the blue wizards were two dudes. <laughs> I I'm all I'm all I'm picturing is um, Tobias. MK from Arrested Development. Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, I again, I, I'm not researching this anymore because it's your choice. But I, I am going to assume, given it's two two names and the Blue Wizards, it is like Middle Earth's Blue Man Group. Yeah, just banging on cement. So Gandalf, Gandalf rocks up in a forest. Gandalf does after, rock up in a forest after presumed, presumably dying. Yes. As I mentioned, he's all glowy and shit. Um, he also manages in his in his glowiness, um, manages to basically disarm three of the main heroes in the entirety of the film uh, series in Aragon, Legolas, and Gimli. Uh, someone on commented on the YouTube video that I watched that he used more magic in this scene to prank his friends than he does in the entire War of the Ring. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's a big fan of his torch. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's really all he seems to do. Yeah, and then his magic uh, magic ability seems to be entirely kept to twatting people with a sword. Yeah, he does. He also uses it to make his voice sound a little Christopher Lee-ish. Oh, true, <laughs> true. So, uh, yeah, but Gand- Gandalf the punk. <laughs> <laughs> you've been punk. You've been Gandalf. Um. There's also a, a fantastic, like once there's been the reveal, there is just this, and I think Lord of the Rings, like in general, is scored very well, but there's some really oh, yeah. cool, like majestic ethereal music when you're just, he's kind of just like staggering, there, like, yeah, fuckers, I'm back and I'm white. And um, it's, yeah, it's just brilliant. And then he obviously goes into regaling them with the tale of fucking up the Balrog and then hanging out with some big-ass eagles. Yeah, and whispering to a butterfly or a moth or something. I think it was a moth, yeah. Yeah, just like Middle-earth Uber. (laughs) Yeah. Get get the eagles, mate. Get the eagles. There's in in New York now um, basically uh, the equivalent of Uber, but a helicopter from the airport to manhattan that takes five minutes it's called blade oh wow yeah which i, I like that yeah it's like 295 dollars for five minutes of travel that's not no that, it's that. I, given how much given how expensive i thought a helicopter from uh the airport to new york would be yeah it's not awful no, it's not. It's not terrible. Although you can, you can kind of do a helicopter ride over New York for about two hundred quid. So, and that's ah, a, bit, a bit longer. So, anyway, I digress. Um, I don't think Gandalf has got a side hustle in um, in Eagle Tours. In Eagle Tours, although maybe he well, should. When 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 the war was finished, mm. you know, you got to, you got to keep the economy ticking over somehow. Yes, very true. And, you know, rising fuel prices in Middle Earth. Oh, yeah, because, you know, invading Mordor and all that. Exactly. Cause, cause issues. That's why they fucked off over the sea at the end in the eighth ending of that film. But 
Now we're really skipping ahead. That's a triumph. That's a triumphant leaving. It is. That was a. Um, it's it's like an Irish exit, but a Hobbit exit. A Hobbit exit. If you if you ever want to Hobbit exit a pub, you just need to make sure it's on the river. But that's so that to me is Gandalf's triumphant return because he does kind of come back, and that's his real like mic drop moment. So like, yeah, fuckers, I survived. I killed the Balrog. Spoke to a moth. Got some eagles. Here I am. Yes, I'm no longer grey. I'm white. A new lot of powerless, and I can change my voice. However, as you mentioned, he does kind of have this secondary triumphant return later in the movie, where he basically saves everyone's ass at Helm's Deep. Um, it's kind of pre-planned, as I mentioned. He it is something like when you see the sunrise on the fifth day, look east, and I'll fuck up some orcs for you. I'm paraphrasing, but it's it's there or thereabouts is his i think that's i think that is exactly it (laughs) but he does he does so in such a way so he he rocks up at the top of this hill which is is far too steep um as you mentioned before all the horses would have fallen over it is it's a it's basically a sheer drop yeah but he his return is he he seems to draw the eye so much that everyone that is fighting just kind of stops and is like oh shit gandalf's back (laughs) Like both both sides. Oh, wasn't he dead? <laughs> He's a bit glowy. Let's <laughs> go. Wasn't he? Wasn't he grey? But uh, yeah, and also he's he's basically has, I guess, uh, an air about him that he's managed to convince all of the Rahiram uh, to to basically gallop to their death. Well, again, <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> he then they, they then convince him to do it again in the next film. Yeah. Like guys, I know this might have been difficult, but <laughs> let's do it again. It's you, flat this time. <laughs> yeah, this is true. But there are some Nazgul about. Um so you know. They have less trees helping them. Well, yeah. Well actually I think I'll think you'll find uh the arrival of Fangorn Forest is only in the Two Towers Extended edition. <laughs> but you know you know what they say, um trees are crowd. Nice. I like that. Uh, I always thought they said threes. (laughs) No, you're you're sadly mistaken. (laughs) Uh, It's a good return. No, I, 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 yeah, I do. I I know we're, we're mocking it, but I, yeah, I mean, the Lord of the Rings films are fucking incredible, aren't they? Oh, yeah. And I think definitely kind of when I rewatched the YouTube video, definitely took me back to the cinema and like it was i think it was maybe i'm maybe there's like a nostalgia brain trick here but i seem to remember being like holy shit kind of gasp moment in the cinema kind of thing similar to what we were talking about with um with endgame but yeah it's a great return my second choice then so from one epic trilogy to another epic trilogy which doesn't really make sense because there's it's a trilogy of trilogies Trilogy cubed? Would we say trilogy cubed? Uh, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. My 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 triumphant return, and I won't drag out this intro anymore. Like I'm a fucking bad wrestling MC or something. Is Han Solo and Chewbacca returning to save the day in Star Wars: A New Hope? So if we hark back to 1977, uh, the last year the Vikings were in the Super Bowl, which I depressingly found out this week. Excellent. Um, just, I just want to point out that we've both picked 
returns from film series that have films in film them called return return <laughs> of the something but in neither case have picked something from that film yeah or or what that title is so in yeah. a series called which has a return of the king you picked the wizard yep and in <laughs> the series that has a return of the jedi i've picked the smuggler and the and wookie carpet yeah <laughs> now return of the wookie that that is a spin-off movie i would happily watch yeah do you think do you think Chewbacca ever went to Wookiee Hole in in Cheddar and <laughs> thought it was like like a, a sex club and just was really disappointed? So I, I can't get over what what a weird middle class Star Wars joke that was. Um, <laughs> I th- I think in Star Wars canon, uh, Wookiee Hole is going to be a strip club on Kashyyyk, <laughs> which. Is it up there with one of the nerdiest jokes I've made in quite some time? Because it's you need to know that Wookiees live on Kashyyyk, which is uh, I believe was first introduced in the Star Wars Holiday Special. I remember um, spending a lot of time there in um, uh, Night Still Republic. Ah, nice. I, I yeah, I haven't played that game. I think they've is there a remaster of that out now? I think it's it may be it may have been. I'm going to use this word for the second time today. Mooted. Nice. <laughs> Good use. I, 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 I like to think I asked that just in the hope of a mooting. <laughs> the hope of a mooting sounds like the kind of thing, like, you know, someone that's really desperate and has been going out on a lot of Tinder dates. Like, oh, I've got hope of a mooting tonight. <laughs> or, or it's something from, like, uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Yeah, well, we would. I would, I would come on the dawn of the fourth day, but there's a mooting, <laughs> so it's going to have to be dawn of the fifth day, ish. Ish. Well, ish. there's depending there's, on traffic. There's, there's not a confirmed mooting, but there is a hope of a mooting. <laughs> just, just you know, you know, mo- moot adjacent at, at <laughs> least. So Han Solo and Chewbacca in uh, George Lucas's long mooted Star Wars: A New Hope. We we all know the scene. Luke Skywalker is barreling down a trench in his X-Wing and he switches off his targeting computer because a dead old guy in the desert told him he was magic. Just as he's about to be blasted out of the sky by Darth Vader and his two, like, formation-flying TIE fighters, uh, Han Solo dives in, shoots one of them and opens the way for Luke Skywalker to destroy the Death Star and save the day. Because earlier, Han Solo had taken his reward and fucked off, which I can kind of respect. Uh, and is very in keeping with the character of a smuggler. Exactly, yeah. And a smuggler who needed that money to pay off debts, which would later see him frozen in the next movie. Yeah. So apparently his reward was 40,000 credits, which, depending where you read, is basically about $40,000, because... Star Wars isn't very imaginative, and that doesn't seem a very big reward for what he went through. No, forty thousand credits isn't that essentially Nicolas Cage and Samuel Jackson's movie careers combined? Ah, uh, slightly less, <laughs> slightly less, and and not as thorough or precious. <laughs> but yeah, so so Han Solo with like a, a, a literal yeehaw shoots one of the Tie Fighters. Um, which crashes into Darth Vader's ship and just kind of sends him spinning through space. And then Luke Skywalker <laughs> shoots through the plot hole and destroys the Death Star. The, the, the now closed plot hole, 
thanks yeah. to uh, Rogue One, but you know, at the time, as I've said before, I have a lot of time for a film being and a very very good film being written, produced, and made just to fill a plot hole. I, I'm tr- I'm trying to think of other plot holes. Like, like it would be like there being a Back to the Future movie designed entirely to explain why they didn't recognize Marty McFly as he grew up. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, it, it's it's trial. It is triumphant. I was close to picking, weirdly. So, Rise of Skywalker is an awful film. I, yes. I think we can. I've I have fought for the Last Jedi on this podcast previously, but Rise of Skywalker is beyond. I think saving, especially as I didn't realize the original script leaked, which was apparently going to be called Duel of the Fates, and it was written by Colin Trevorrow. So the Safe Not Guaranteed guy. Yep. And it sounded so much better because it wasn't written just to like apologise for the previous film. It kind of actually logically followed through with things. But there's a great scene in that where all of the civilian ships turn up. Right. To to like save the day. And it is kind of cool, but I think that's less triumphant return and more kind of well it is it is the space equivalent of a cavalry charge and we know how i like those well i'd say that it's more isn't it more like space dunkirk uh it's similar to space dunkirk oh i'm sorry guys i've set him off i've set him off the ian harry's history section not because they are easy but because they are hard oh god well dunkirk was obviously more of uh it was an organized evacuation retreat while this was more I'm of sorry a, I, i'm sorry it would be it would be more like if in, with d-day instead of landing craft they just had like some dude's canal boat okay but yeah like I, I just it's just a great scene and like even though you kind of knew you know you knew han solo and chewbacca were gonna turn back up it still kind of i think it still hits you mm. which then also kind of brings us on to uh, what can only be described as uh, institutional racism at a galactic level. Chewbacca doesn't get a medal. No, he doesn't. Wasn't there something's been corrected there though, right? Since possibly, I stopped paying attention to the changes after 1997. That's a lie because I uh, I got overly angry at a lot of them. Yeah, I believe it happens in. Didn't it happen in um, Rise of Skywalker? Oh, that they gave him a medal. Yeah. Uh, Maybe I I thought you meant they it was like a a special edition change oh. they like superimposed a medal into a new hope like when like we they had did. with uh, Jabba the Hutt in every scene yeah and like the Ewoks <laughs> blinking and they made Jabba's palace door bigger and they superimposed the no from yeah Revenge of the Sith in and shit like that there's a lot of I watched a couple of videos this week because uh, that's the life I lead of changes that were actually good yeah and i still maintain so the 1997 versions realistically were the ones i grew up watching like i don't know if i've ever actually seen the original star wars oh i i i definitely did i watched those a lot and then i remember the 97 ones coming out and seeing um i think i saw them in the cinema and then i also do you remember you could get the VHS box set that was either gold or silver. Or silver, yeah. yeah. I, I had the silver one because it was widescreen. Oh. Yeah. Yes, no, I remember those. And you had the little, like, pre-documentary before each one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, there's, there, 
sorry i was i was i was just i was just googling um yeah so in rise of skywalker um lupita nyongo's character gives chewy a medal presenting some of the words this is for you which oh. apparently is you know why a, a throwback to him not getting a medal in um new hope this is it's bullshit unless chewbacca's a pet and then that opens up a whole other world of questions but but yeah like i i I think there's there's a lot of changes to Star Wars that I I do appreciate, and then there's a lot that make absolutely no sense at all. But yeah, Han Solo, Chewbacca, triumphantly returning. I I would like to see them randomly triumphantly return in other films, like the end of Saving Private Ryan. It's not the Air Force that turns up; it's just the Millennium Falcon. Nice. I I just think any any dramatic saving the day moment can be improved by it being Han Solo and Chewbacca. Do you know where it could be really cool? Would be um, in, and I know you have your issues with the film, but in uh, wait, wait, are you going to say on 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 three? Okay, there's a slight delay though. I think you've got a slight delay from me. So, but yeah, okay. okay so one, one, two, three, ready, ready player, player one. one. <laughs> 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 yeah, but it could be quite cool in the race. Millennium Falcon, Han Solo, Chewie. Yeah, did it ever turn up in the book? Oh, that's feel, a good question. Feels, Probably. It, it it feels like it would work so much that I'm. it must have at some point. Yeah, I guess the, the slight issue in the book is that it's very different. Like, the, ra- the race isn't in the book and stuff like that. So. Oh, fuck, yeah, of course, I forgot. It, it, it's... <laughs> It's a very uncinematic first task, right? Yeah, it's essentially like a text RPG. Yeah, so yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe maybe not. But yeah, I I just think it's just a good triumphant return, really, because it's not it's not just him triumphantly returning to save the day. The triumph is also the actual kind of character development of the whole thing as well. Again, yeah. like his selfishness, just in it for the money approach, has been replaced by. Uh, a heart of gold and the need to rebel and shit like that. But yeah, it's just great. Chewbacca deserved a medal. My second choice is, uh, you know, I just thought Ian's talking about space like a nerd. Um, I'm going to get as far away from that as possible. And then I thought, no, I'm not. Uh, It's another (laughs) Star Wars return. It is... um, uh, spoiler alert for the Mandalorian if you've not seen season two. Oh, uh, spoiler klaxon! We haven't done the spoiler klaxon in a while. Oh, spoiler klaxon! Back to, back to announcing the jingles before they happen. So, uh, yeah, spoiler klaxon. Spoilers ahead. Warning. Spoilers ahead. Warning. Seriously, we're going to be talking about everything. Spoiler klaxon. Maybe even. How about a new and improved spoiler jingle? Spoiler. I like the spoiler klaxon though. Okay, it's, it's, it's a good jingle. There's, there's a couple of jingles we need to work on. Yeah, possibly a new fuck Tom Brady jingle. Yeah, fuck Tom Brady. Fuck Tom Brady. Fuck Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Fuck Tom Brady. Fuck Tom Brady. He's a fucking cheat. Because that was that was a uh, thing I didn't quite clock on until yesterday. Yeah, um, that's annoying. Having to it? having to make a public announcement that this is not a Tom Brady reference. <laughs> it's not a triumphant return though is it it's just uh, his family don't want yeah, him around yeah it's a, I hate my kids return yeah but I need to I need to get a, a 
an actual caged-in jingle has been requested. Did somebody say caged-in coppola connections with Petros? Francis, Roman, Sophia, Nicholas Cage, August, Jason Schwartzman, Gia, Adrian from Rocky. I, I, I just love me some coppolas, mate. Cool. I'm, I'm sure we can, we can figure something out. But yeah, spoilers, spoiler packs in. Right. Um, in at the end of the Mandalorian season two, we see the triumphant return of Sir Lucas Skywalker, and it is brilliant. And I just rewatched it now, and I can only liken it to watching watching this unfold. Right, is the closest I think you can get to the. You know the Vince McMahon gif? <laughs> yes. Yep. <laughs> Where he just gets more and more excited. Yeah. Like, because you're teased with the X-Wing, and you're like, fuck, that's an X-Wing. It's not, I mean, there's lots of X-Wings, right? It's not going to be, it's not going to be Luke Skywalker, is it? And then it's the green lightsaber. It's like, oh shit, this could be Luke Skywalker. Then there's the robot hand, and that's the point where you, you fall yeah. over Vince McMahon. It's he's back. It's Luke Skywalker. I um and yeah. So I would watch the Mandalorian on release day because Twitter was horrible for. Uh, oh, it was terrible, wasn't it? I literally watched it. Came downstairs, demanded that my housemate watch it immediately, so that it wasn't spoiled for them, and I watched it again. So I think I watched it uh, two or three times on the uh, the same day. In that period, you also texted me and told me that I must watch it yes. before anything gets spoiled for yeah. me, which I did <laughs> at like eight, 8 a.m. or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, that, exactly. I would, I, I would, I would wake up and watch it before work. It was like this, this is fucking unreal. Yeah, no, it was, it was very cool. I mean, and obviously you have that whole kind of sequence of events where it's like, oh shit, it's him, and then you obviously have the reveal that it is him. Which is quite cool because it, the the CGI is not too shit. It's in terms of worse. like yeah, yeah. young Luke Skywalker. I think it's helped by the fact that it was actually played by Mark Hamill, and then they obviously you know um, olayed him. I don't think um, I don't think they did. I think he did the voice. Oh, I read that it was played by Mark Hamill, but maybe, maybe. it was just his voice. Because I I was under the impression that they a lot of people involved didn't know it was Luke Skywalker. It was going to be someone from like the Clone Wars series or something. So to, right. to, to stop it from leaking. Um, yeah. A lot of people thought it was just some random Jedi. Yeah. Which I think, yeah. And there's the, as I say, the, the build up and the Vince, Vince McMahoning of it all. But like, and then he obviously has the whole, like he takes out the, the whole super droid dark trooper army single handedly. Quite literally. He's <laughs> only got one hand. See what you did there. Because <laughs> robot hands aren't real. Uh, <laughs> no, not real hands. Robot hands sounds like uh, if Boston Dynamics made a uh, like a, a a German robot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is this is robot hands. I'm envisioning Lederhosen. Um, Later host and Jedi is something I can get behind. <laughs> Oktoberfest Jedi, um, but yeah, and he he's very understated. Other than the fact that he takes out a whole like 
Dark Trooper army. He's very understated in his kind of arrival when the Mandalorian is like, are you a Jedi? He's like, I am. That's it. It's very, very understated. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am a Jedi. That terrible. Was, that was terrible German accent. That was that was but that was very clearly a bad Swedish chef impression. <laughs> well, actually, I think it was a combination of that and do uh oh what's his name? Um Oaken from Frozen. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's probably the closest it was to. I watched um, um uh the Frozen musical the other day. Yeah. Um, it's really fucking good. I can imagine it is just with the amount of money that Disney has. Yeah, but like uh, the some of the effects are like spectacular. Like I don't fully understand how it was done. Level of spectacular. Um, yeah. But basically, I'd strongly recommend it. Please continue. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, and then I guess the other thing that we have as part of all of this is not only is you know it's his his return, which is completely unexpected and triumphant because he kind of saves the day. It's probably the one time that we see Luke Skywalker kind of at the peak of his powers. Yeah, like yeah, because you've obviously it's it's post. Is it post? I can't remember. Remember the Mandalorian set. It's either in between two and three, or it's post three. It's post or four six. Sorry, it's post Jedi. Post Jedi. Yeah. Okay, so it is it. So yeah, you've obviously had all of the events of those films. He is the, you know, he is the super Jedi that he is, and um, yeah, it's kind of because obviously in the latter Skywalker trilogy, he's um, he's on the decline, a bit crazy, crazy old kook, uh, playing his best Obi Wan um, impression. Um, but yeah, so I think that's that's quite cool seeing seeing that, and then. I guess the other thing that's that's I guess it's a bit of an unknown at the moment, but the fact that he saves the day, rescues Grogu, takes him off to train to be a Jedi is like that is clearly going to have some far reaching implications in the wider Star Wars universe. Um, and I'm intrigued to see them. Uh, the, so just to, we'll address that in a moment. Uh, right. I, I did a quick bit of googling, and yeah. uh, so they did film it as it. They did film it, and they did tell a lot of actors involved. Um, it was going to be a Jedi, but didn't say it was Luke Skywalker. They said it was going to be a Jedi called Plo Koon, who uh, you may recognise him as the guy who you know the power armor from the Fallout games. Yeah, imagine if that was made out of scrotum. <laughs> right so yeah. now with that with that mental picture in mind mm. i have just whatsapped you a picture of him opening whatsapp yes yes right yeah that that is a hundred percent accurate he is um he's in uh clone wars is it is he the main yeah so he pops i think he's in clone wars and he pops up in uh he pop, pops up in the bar pops up <laughs> yeah Ah, uh, testicle humor. <laughs> I I bet our listeners are glad we're back. Um, to address to address your other point, mm. s- some of the consequences may have already have been briefly looked at. Uh, Boba Fett. Boba Fett. 
Oh, I haven't watched Boba Fett yet. You should watch Boba Fett. I didn't think you had, which is why instead of just uh, <laughs> coming out with it, my response was. Ah! <laughs> but, uh, uh, Boba Fett. Um, yeah, it. it uh, there are some episodes which aren't very Boba Fett heavy, and we'll leave it at that. Okay, but it's well worth well worth watching. It's a fucking good series. Yeah, I. It's. I've. I've really. Um... Disney Plus is one of those ones that is not my go-to when I pick up the Sky Remote and talk it to put something on. So it's um, I've yeah I haven't watched that. I haven't watched Hawkeye um, and a couple of others. So I do need to get back on it, and it will do. I'm currently, however, watching Drive to Survive, uh, the F1 thing, and um, Pieces of Her, which is the new Tony Collette oh, series yeah, on Netflix. Sees, yeah. Which is quite good. I quite like Tony Collette. I think she's very good. And it's it's things. not another fucking Harlan, whatever it is, show. No, it's uh, Karen Slaughter wrote the book. I think. Oh, that's a so, hell of a name. I think that's her pen name rather than her ah. her given name. But um, yeah, her real name is Jessie Murder. <laughs> uh, yeah. Second second time I've had to come up with a name, and the first thing that came to mind was Jessie. <laughs> Maybe um, maybe it's a sign. Don't know what the sign is. Maybe you need to watch Toy Story 2. I think the sign is we've been re-watching a lot of House recently. Uh-huh. And one of the actors is called Jesse. So I've seen that name like 40 times in the last month. Oh, so when we had that hilarious House joke over text the other day, you were, you were actually re-watching it. Oh, yeah, no, I was actually re-watching it. <laughs> Excellent. Cool. Well, that is... The second triumphant return. Uh, not only my second one, but the second Star Wars-y one. And I think it's a good one. It is a good one. And I've got a lot of time that you didn't you didn't go for the cheap uh, triumphant return of the Jedi line. <laughs> well, you know, I, I like to think that I'm growing um, as an individual. Yeah. <laughs> like a testicle Jedi. Like a testicle Jedi. Okay, so my my final triumphant return on our triumphant return mm. episode is it is it is a triumphant return in a couple of different ways because that's the kind of bastard I am. And as you can see, I'm just going to keep saying triumphant return as often as I can. So th- this final choice is can we can we get a trumpet sound? You know, I I feel like a triumphant return should always be accompanied by like. Yeah, I, I think it needs to be like a, a proper fanfare. Yeah, that's the word I was after. I said trumpet sound and then mimic to trumpet fanfare is absolutely the right. Well, well, for at least this one, what I'll do. So if you make a trumpet noise, and then I'll add like a little echoey effect to it, and then overlay it with a load of them, and see see if Excellent. we can get a a Graham fanfare, which sounds like an awful. Oh. magician stage name so this is the triumphant return of sir william thatcher in 2001's a knight's tale so this is a triumphant return in like i said a number of different ways because it is not only william returning from well i mean kind of imprisonment he was dumped in the stocks and people were throwing veg at him so he got I can't think of the the word suspended. Do you get suspension in 
jousting? Like, like PEDs? Were you going to say excommunicated? I was, was going to say exiled. And then that's, exiled. that feels a bit more dramatic for what it is. I would say that he, um, yeah, he, he received a, a, temporary, a temporary sporting So ban. he was banned from the, the final in the, the, the jousting. He was the Josh Gordon of he jousting. He is the Josh Gordon of jousting. Um, so he was, he was kicked out of the tournament and then he triumphantly returns <laughs> to fight his nemesis in the final. So triumphant return one. Triumphant return two is he'd been fighting in all of these tournaments under a fake name because a commoner can't joust because it's all about mm. being a knight. So he'd been fighting under the name, the, to be fair, the incredible name of Sir Ulrich von Lichtenstein. And this is the first time, due to some fancy, like, royal lies, which, you know, let's not got too deep into satire in modern day life there. Um, the Prince of Wales... He, he doesn't sweat. Yeah, the Prince of Wales uh, knights William, which then means he's a knight, which then also means he's returning as himself in the film, rather than the assumed identity of Sir Ulrich von Lichtenstein. And then, not only that, but he has returned to London, which is the city he was born in, and then his dad kind of, I think... The the actual story point is he basically gets... He's a knight's intern and fucks off with this knight for a while. But the scene plays out very much like his dad sold him to a dude. Which I don't think is quite what the, the film was going for. So yeah, we have we have a number of different ways in which he returns, and I fucking love this film. We've we've talked about it on the podcast before. Um I watched this very drunk at the Prince Charles Cinema once. Um because we'd act- Yeah. I've still never seen yeah, it. Yeah. You should. That's really that's really all I can say about that. But you should. It's just silly and it's fun and it's got David Bowie music in. And I mean, I don't think, don't really know what else you would want from a film about jousting. Do you think you would jousting something like if we were a medieval, a podcast from medieval times, which I think would just mean we were like tapestry weavers or something. Would you joust? Do you think you've got a bit of jousting in you? I'd give give jousting a go. It's, uh... Yeah. Why not? I'd, 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 to be honest, Ian, given the opportunity, even in modern times, I'd give you a joust. Cool. Good to know. <laughs> there, there is a TV show which is like full metal jousting or something. Which, because you, you know when the history... Is it on the History yeah, Channel? Yeah, when the History Channel stopped doing documentaries and just did like weird shit like that. Like, sh- Yeah, although... Forged in Fire, which we have spoken about previously, is one of the I was I was going to say, but it is also like one of the whitest TV shows ever. Like <laughs> it has a very set audience, and it is white men between the ages of thirty and fifty-five. Yeah, but you know, we have a podcast, so I uh, <laughs> I'm I am target I'm target audience. Yeah, I I, I um I fallen I've fallen into several Forged in Fire holes. We get. We should be getting our sky set up soon, so I will be ploughing through as many episodes as I can. Nice. And Deadliest Warrior as well. That was a kind of a similar vein of um, history, but not really. Isn't there like a? I think there's a YouTube. A YouTube. 
a YouTube channel that does basically Deadliest Warrior, but with like two. It's it's pretty fucked up because I'm fairly sure it's animal cruelty. But they get like two like deadly animals and put them in a box and see which one. They'll have like a fucking hornet versus a tarantula or like a rattlesnake and a, a crab. That's I don't real know, crab, real but, ones. Yeah. Real ones, yeah, that's yeah. That's just that's like, yeah, Pokemon. That's <laughs> that's just modern day Pokemon. I I, I said yeah. that as if Pokemon set in the past. <laughs> <laughs> Pokemon is historically accurate. Obviously, 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 it's why I did mention it on the uh, episode before. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fucked up. Deadliest Warrior was fucked up as well because there's a couple of episodes of that they can never show again. Like the, I think there's one which is like the IRA versus the Taliban or something. Um, Pol Pot versus Saddam Hussein, I think, was another. Like Pol Pot always makes me think of that Dead Kennedy song. It, it always makes me think of food because it just sounds like a dish. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. suppose so. How... Like a lamb Pol yeah, Pot. Yeah, ex- exactly. It would be it would be served in like a bigger than you'd expect terracotta pot. Well, no, I mean that's that's um, that's the system of a down dish, isn't it? The terracotta pie. Terracotta pie. Terracotta, terracotta, terracotta pie. Terracotta pie. Yeah, that's a <laughs> obviously a knight's tale was going to descend into spoken word system for down. But yeah, so a knight's tale is it's a brilliant film and I fucking love it. And like I said, I once. Uh, Turned up very drunk at the Prince Charles Cinema after accidentally day drinking, where possibly, maybe, my fiance might have thrown up on a train. Dramatically, it was a beautiful moment, hypothetically, if it happened. And met up with a friend of mine who hadn't been drinking at all, who then just had to kind of be around me while we were drunkenly, or while I was drunkenly watching A Knight's Tale. It was great. But yeah, I just, it's a perfect kind of like cheesy payoff to, uh, to the movie. Which I think also kind of adds to, because it is a proper like sports movie arc, right? And I think that really lends itself to triumphant returns <laughs> because the whole movie is yeah. building up to that triumphant moment at the end, and it just it just works. And like the only bit of the scene I don't like, um, so you get the Paul Bettany plays Jeffrey Chaucer, who basically steals the entire movie whenever he's on screen and he gives the rousing introduction to William to the audience and then as he's like galloping towards his nemesis played by Rufus Sewell he shouts his own name right so he just shouts William like in slow motion really dramatically and then the joust bit happens and i don't get why like i get shouting i get screaming but shouting your own name i I get it's supposed to be like you know he's finally who he he actually is and he's not pretending to be sir ulrich anymore but shout is it i i obviously haven't seen it but um so i'm i'm thinking uh, in my head, anyway, this is a multi. Uh, this is like a team joust, and essentially, what's happening here is like in football when the ball's <laughs> coming towards you, and there's a few of your teammates around. You're like, 
Williams. Maybe he was doing that, but because he was going to joust the guy. That's that's my assumption, and I'm sticking. This with would it. be closer to well, there's uh, actually no. This is coming out last next week. So there's uh, what is going to be an awful boxing match on Saturday. So it's Eddie Hall versus Hathor Bjornsson. Who are oh, is that happening? Yeah, so it's it's free to air on some random website. Um, they're for those who don't know, they're both strong men. They both hate each other. One of them, Hathor Bjornsson, was the mountain in Game of Thrones. Um and they both argue over who has like the deadlift world record and it is so fucking funny because they're they are strange looking men because they are so fucking big. Um but I think it's gonna it's gonna be such a letdown. I just can't see how this fight is gonna be good. The only way this fight is good ends up being good is if one knocks out the other and then proceeds to deadlift. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's the that's the only way that this is an entertaining matchup because heavyweight boxing on its own is usually pretty dull. Heavyweight boxing for people that don't know how to box or at least are not professionals is going to be even more dull. Oh yeah, like I, it's this isn't the time to in, insult the Klitschkos, but um, their their reigns as heavyweight boxing champions was like, y- y- I get what you guys are doing. This is not fun to watch. Oh yeah, and yeah, it, they were just um, yeah, fairly uh, fairly dull match. Apart from when he he knocked out David Hay and put him in his place because David oh, I don't him. like David Hay. But yeah, so this this boxing match on Saturday, it would be like if Eddie Hall just shouts Eddie every time he punches him. I mean, like to, to bring it back to uh, that historical cartoon, um, kind of like Pokemon. Just just saying yeah. your own name all the time. But yeah, I didn't get it. It was the only part which kind of took me out of the, the, the triumph. Um, and then you also have the very cathartic scene of them lording it over the guy who's lost, which is always quite nice. Not quite a... It's the tail end of the triumphant return. But him actually... Do you mean the, the, night, the night's tail end? <laughs> hey. Um, but yeah, I think, it, I think it's... It is triumphant. It is triumphant in a victory. It is a triumphant return, both to the city he loves, the tournament he's playing in, and to himself. Sticking with the theme of TV shows, I'm going to go with the return of a main character who was in a series that ran for nine years. He leaves after, I want to say, seven? There's two fairly mediocre seasons of a very good show, and then he returns in the finale. And in a way that is probably fairly understated, but I think is done. You know, there's obviously anything like this is fan service, right? But at the same time, you can't. I don't think you could have ended this show without the return of. Michael Scott uh, in the office. So he, uh, the last episode is, it's, I think it's like set a year later than the penultimate episode. And it's at Dwight and Angela's wedding. And you've got this whole bit where Dwight's getting ready. Jim is talking to Dwight saying that he's, he's really sorry, but he's realized he can't be the, the best mesh yes. yeah. <laughs> um, anymore because he's been told by the priest that the best mensch has to be, older than the groom and since he is considerably younger than Dwight he absolutely can't do it and he's really sorry and he's 
thing like he's trying to think of a way that he could solve this and then the camera pans around and there is Michael Scott at the door ready to take up the helm of of Vestmensch and we've spoken a lot about you know how people return in a lot of these scenarios he has got probably the best returning line out of anyone we've discussed so <laughs> Dwight says Michael I can't believe you came and all he does is say that's what she said which um is is very Michael Scott and very well delivered is that but that is basically his only line right in the well yeah I was gonna say it's it's pretty much I think all he he says throughout it there's you know he's he's then there at the wedding kind of looking um quite happy I, I've got a feeling and I could I didn't get to watch the entire episode I watched the clip of the return I've got a feeling there's a bit of a talking head bit where he talks about Jan at one point but I may be wrong but yeah it's it's not he's not in it a lot but I think he's in it enough yeah to it, it was needed right and I think it's it was impossible to do the finale without him and also it elevates the final episode from what was I don't think it's a bad few final series but it's definitely not you know as good as it was it was uh season eight and nine i think were awful <laughs> um, the... i wouldn't say awful but they definitely weren't as good as as previous and they go down some weird routes with like andy I, and stuff like that so which just I, I re-watched it recently and i okay it's not awful there are still some good episodes in it but what they did with andy just makes me feel like deeply uncomfortable whenever you're watching it because like they you you get what they i get what they were trying to do but what they actually did was they made him an abusive partner like yeah. it's just a bit but I, I don't know it just didn't sit with me like it, it, but I, I i don't think i ever particularly but then that. again but then again yeah there, there is that and also i mean look at like ross and friends like u.s sitcoms kind of go down that route quite a lot yeah no true true but i i did like that as a, as a finale i thought the office finale's up there especially with sitcoms with one of the better ones yeah i i would i would tend to agree there um and i think they needed it and obviously there's kind of it comes full circle because after after he introduces um michael back to dwight there's a cut to a talking head and jim says it's his best prank ever and obviously the show starts in the first episode with jim pranking dwight with the jello and everything so it's um yeah i i don't know i just think it's great i i love the office i've watched it all the way through i think i'm on my sixth or seventh watch all the way through it Ooh. all it goes into a road strange strange question what do you hmm. count as all the way through from the first episode okay. to the last one. So I have um <laughs> I've watched uh I have then therefore watched The Office all the way through once. I have watched <laughs> season two through to season nine an additional two or three times. Same with Parks and Rec. Like I don't I don't rewatch the first series of Parks and Rec. The first series of Parks and Rec is I always think it's interesting to rewatch it just because of how much has changed. And like how they yeah. just were like, yeah, fuck Mark Brandanowitz. <laughs> yeah, f- fuck that guy. Didn't even come <laughs> back for the finale. Um, what is your favorite? Speak- speaking of uh, Guten pranks, mm. what is your favorite Jim prank? Oh, that's a very good question. And I cannot think of the ball off the top of my head. There was one that didn't get aired that was really good. Um, what was it? Jim prank. Uh, it's 
while, 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 while you're searching for that, I think the two that I always like is obviously Korean Jim. Yeah. And then when uh, Jim convinces Dwight that future Dwight is faxing him. Oh, yeah, that's very good. Because he steals, like, his letterhead or something. Yeah. Um, and he messages him that, like, someone's poisoned the coffee and things like that. I just I found that far too funny. Yeah, that was very good. Is There's one where he... Doesn't he reassemble his office in the ladies as well? Yes, yeah. Which is good. Uh, so the one that never made it to air, so it was meant to be... It was meant to be the cold open on the final episode mm. and it was would have been jim um convincing dwight that he was part of the matrix <laughs> nice which would have been fantastic but yeah unfortunately there's a table read of it which we can maybe put in the uh in the notes section uh, i watched a great table read the other day because that's what i do with my time so the good place yeah You've watched all of The Good Place? Yep. Uh, it's a table read. So Ted Danson and Kristen Bell were the only ones who knew how the first series ended. Right. So I, d- I don't want to spoil it on an episode where we obviously wouldn't have been talking about Triumphant Returns. But uh, the rest of the cast didn't. And there's a table read of them explaining the scene to them. Right. Um, and it's their reactions to finding out the end of season one. And it is fucking great. Because nice. they all react exactly as you would expect their characters to. <laughs> Brilliant. So this, I'll just read out what the um, what the prank would have been. So Hank, the security guard, is down as Dorpheus. He's Morpheus's brother. They have a cat. There's a cat that walks by, and the cat walks by again as Dwight is in Michael's office. And Jenna goes, "It took six months to train the cat." So obviously Pam with the talking head. Um, then we have the security guard walk by. He was the big guy, but he had a twin brother, and we used to used him as a glitch as well. Um, and then he's going to take the red pill or the blue pill. And basically, there was a whole thing, and it was filmed, but um, it was too long, so they had to cut it for time. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. And talking of actually, if, to flip it as well, it wasn't really a prank as such, but the best cold open in the office is Dwight's uh, fire escape uh can't even remember what the fire, the fire drill the fire drill that's the word yeah. i was looking for yeah just when the the best bit with angela lobbing the cat through the roof and just coming straight back down the other side <laughs> yeah <laughs> just, he like heats the door handles and shit like that right yeah yeah it's brilliant oh fuck i do love the office because i don't think there's um we might have talked about this in passing before but i i don't see the need to compare the two because they're, know, so... they're completely different see, shows Season one, maybe, but if we ignore that and take the show as a whole, it is a completely different format and show, arguably, than the UK one. So I think it's fine to. I don't. I don't compare them in the slightest. No, talking of this week, they have launched the American version of uh, this country. Oh shit! What the Sean William Scott one? Yeah, what if they they've called it something different? It's not called. It's uh... named after the place instead, I think. So it would be like yeah. if the office was called Scranton. Have you seen any of it? The US version, no. Yeah. Welcome to Flatch. It's called. I'll give it a go. I believe Daisy May Cooper's had input in it, so mm. that's always a positive. I saw a trailer for it, which felt uncomfortably like they just 
taken the script and dumped it in an American town, which therefore wouldn't work. Right. Because it's the same thing with like uh, Gavin and Stacey, for example. You could take the format of two people on opposite ends of America having a relationship. Yeah. But you couldn't take the script because it is so specifically those areas. Yeah. Um, no, I, I'd be, I didn't I, realize I mean, it was um, Paul Feig as well that's done it. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Mm. I'd be will. I'd be willing to give it a go. Yeah, I but think that's. that's I, don't, I don't. I do not have high hopes. I think that's about where I am. So yeah. But anyway, Michael Scott, triumphant returning. That's what she said. Uh, it's great. So, mm. those those are our triumphant returns. Yes. Uh, out of out of your three, what's the top three of your three? Top three of my three. Um. I think it's probably going to have to just be in reverse order that I went. So third place, Michael Scott. It's great. He kind of, I don't know if he saves the finale, but he definitely kind of completes it. And as I said, best returning line of anyone that we've spoken about. Second place, Luke Skywalker in The Mandalorian. It's it's such a, as I likened it to that Vince McMahon meme, and I think it is the, the only time I've ever had that kind of reaction to something as it kind of builds back up. And he does say he is the one time we do get to see him at like the real peak of his powers. It's his it's his Darth Vader's Rogue One, isn't it? Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. And then yeah, in first place, uh gotta be old um Gandalf the White. He is um yeah, he's 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 been through some shit. He comes back all glowy basically uses his powers to prank everyone and then saves the day at Helm's Deep. Nice. How about you? Uh, so for me, I my Star Wars, I think, is going third. So I think I'm going to slide Chewbacca into third. Uh, that hand gesture was not needed. <laughs> no. uh, it's a good, it is a good return, but I, I prefer the other ones. It's that kind of number three. So yeah. number two, I'm going a Knight's Tale. Um, I think it is a triumphant return. It's a triumphant return over... A number of different facets of triumphantly returning. Mm. Um, and number one, yeah, it kind of had to be Endgame. I couldn't think of any reason not to have it number one, basically. Because it is the triumphant return of all of the heroes and half of all living things in the universe. Um, and not just that, but it is the... Talking about kind of like the arc, like we did with the Knight's Tale. It is the triumphant moment after twenty two films yep so yeah it feels triumphant as fuck bro uh so those are our top threes but what about the podcast nobody asked for's top three what are you feeling what's going to make it what's not going to make it how are you feeling so i my only slight issue with and i i agree that i think endgame is is a triumphant return however there is a slight Mm. issue in that whilst there is triumph um it also causes chaos and it uh, with the balance i don't think it can be right at the top ah so we're going philosophical again um (laughs) it it, it depends uh if you're the type of person who can see triumph and chaos isn't life (laughs) isn't life chaos i mean we're all just a bunch of bunch of atoms bouncing around a rock that's floating through space oh i mean we could that could be the argument any choice of anything and just basically saying what's the point of doing this well this is this is why my uh, quarterly reviews are awful <laughs> your numbers are great but really is there a point to existence 
so it's just good we're trending up uh 120 percent we've hit all the targets mm-hmm. but is there a point <laughs> you, we're all you, gonna die and uh, just just you know ian works for nihilist inc <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think for that reason, it has to be pegged down at least one. I was about to say, and it's been pegged down by Gandalf, but the idea of Gandalf pegging Thanos <laughs> is now in my head. Um... <laughs> Why would? So are you are you implying Gandalf doesn't have a dick? <laughs> yeah, no wizards have dicks. And the, they're, the... they're just like they're like the angels from Dogma. They're just like yeah. the full Kent. The full Kendall. Full Kendall. And obviously the great thing about um for for Gandalf is that he, he comes exactly when he intends to. <laughs> well, it's never late. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um so I would go Gandalf, the human race, or half of the human race, and then <laughs> Gandalf Gandalf the human race. So he's gone <laughs> Gandalf the Grey, Gandalf the White. And then when he starts, he comes back as Gandalf, the human race. Yeah. I like it. Gandalf, half the human race, and then Luke Skywalker purely for the Vince McMahon uh, reaction. Uh, yeah, no, I think that's fair because I, well, we talked about it in your choice. Like I, that My reaction to Luke Skywalker returning was so visceral, I messaged basically my entire address <laughs> saying, guys, you need to watch The Mandalorian and you need to stay off Twitter. Ian, I've not spoken to you since like I needed to borrow a pen off of you in the, in, in, yeah. in a, a lecture in year two of uni. What on earth are you on about? What's a Mandalorian? Yeah, who 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 is this? I, I I think that's spot on. As much as I enjoyed the various readings of Triumphant Returns in a Knight's Tale, uh, I didn't audibly cheer and gasp when it was because, like you said, it is. It was literally the whole thing was just. Uh, but it can't be him. It can't be him. It's going to be... Right, I know it's a green lightsaber, but it's probably a different green lightsaber. Yeah. So, yeah. All it was missing was when he attacked the Dark Troopers, him just going, Luke! (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And And then we would have known straight away that it was him. And maybe actually... Ruined it. So maybe that is the issue. Maybe maybe he shouldn't have screamed William. Maybe maybe he'd have maybe he should have thought about that. But uh, you know Maybe and we'll never know. And he needed a light lance as well. Yeah. Like uh go full random sci fi. <laughs> um Okay, cool. Alright, so the podcast nobody asked for's Well actually, to be fair, the number one on this list should have been us. This is true. Should we put us? We're we're no, no, we're fuck one it. Right, point. So the podcast nobody asked for's Top three triumphant returns. It is an honourable mention for Luke Skywalker in the season two finale of The Mandalorian. Uh, number three, we have half of the known universe triumphantly returning in Avengers Endgame. Number two, we have the promotion and triumphant return of Gandalf the White in Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. And number one, we have the triumphant return of the podcast nobody asked for. It is us. Back it is us, because that is what our ego needs after a well-deserved breakaway. Yep. For season two. So, if you agree with our choices, if you're annoyed that at the last minute we randomly decided to include ourselves in the top three list, um, you can find us on Instagram, at the podcast nobody asked for, and you can also find us on Patreon, where you become a friend of the podcast and help us 
do more triumphant things. If you would like to, I'm going to remember how to do this now. If you would like to say some shit to us on Twitter in 280 characters or less, or maybe a thread, who knows? Message us at nobody asked for pod with the number four. You can find us there at Facebook as well, and we have a website. No podcast nobody asked for dot co dot uk where there's all of the things that you may need to know. Uh, and remember to leave us a review and in your uh, on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser or on Good Pods or on Spotify or wherever you can review podcasts. Um, and in your review, put any future episode ideas you have, and we will make sure we do the best one. So there we go. That is that is us. Mm. We are back. The League of Good Bad Movies will be starting up again as of April with Battlefield Earth, um, yep. which I'm weirdly looking forward to. Yeah, I can't wait. And then we'll just go from there. Mm. It's all good. It's great. Are we going to exit to um, Without Me by Eminem or Backstreet's Back? It should be Backstreet's Back, mm. I think. All right. Backstreet's Back, all right. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. Bow, 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 bow. Oh my God, we're back again. Ha, 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 ha.